0: Section 14 of Mark Twain in the New York Times, Part 4, 1900 through 1906. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. December 7, 1900, Banquet of the St. Nicholas Society. This edited article contains sections that refer to Mark Twain. Elaborate decorations, souvenirs, and other features, Twain's view of New York speaks humorously of its appearances and sarcastically of its government. Dr. McKay on the Gospel of the Smile. A full representation of the membership of the St. Nicholas Society assembled for the 66th annual banquet held last night at Delmonico's. The function was attended by all the quaint old-world glitter and pomp that has characterized the banquets of the Society in the past, and upward of three hundred members and guests in song and oratory honored the traditions of their ancestry of holland the decorations of the hall as well as the wealth of unique souvenirs distributed among the diners were suggestive of the netherlands broad streamers of orange swung from the big central chandelier to the walls of the banquet hall the table decorations were of the same color the long guests table was spread with a cloth of orange hue and was draped with smilax above the president's chair were draped four immense american flags about the shield of the society in addition to the regular corps of waiters were scattered about the dining hall ebon-hued servitors dressed in the uniform of a court page of the house of orange chief among the dinner souvenirs were holland beer-mugs upon which appeared the coat-of-arms of holland and pictures of New Amsterdam in 1650 and of the present city of New York. The lids were of silver. The mugs were made in Holland for the occasion. Frederick de Paster Foster, president of the Society, who presided and acted as Toastmaster, had to his right and left at the guest table the Rev. Dr. Donald Sage McKay, Dr. Louis J. Parker, Baron Jeevers, minister from the Netherlands, General Brooke, admiral barker nicholas fish julian t davies frederick j de Paister, general william e dodge william pearson hamilton ex-judge henry e howland james g king and george blagden it was late in the evening when the first lull came in the hum of the banquet hall and toastmaster foster dressed in his sash and headgear of office greeted the procession of standard-bearers and pages, and started the speech-making by saying that the past year had been a feast of plenty for the society. He said the society had given the state a governor and the country a vice-president. He referred to Governor Roosevelt as a Hollander of the truest type. In the midst of a selection by the boy choir of Grace Church, Mark Twain entered the banquet hall in custody of a committee who had been sent in a cab to seek him out at his home, he having delayed to put in an appearance at the banquet. The humorist, limping a little from the effects of a rheumatic attack, was led up to the guest table where the diners arose and gave him long-continued applause. The City as Mark Twain Sees It when Mark Twain arose to respond to the toast, Our City, he was cheered for fully five minutes. ''These are prosperous days for me,'' he said. ''Night before last, Bishop Potter complimented me and thanked me for my contributions to theology,'' laughter. ''Tonight the Reverend Dr. McKay has elected me to the priesthood,'' laughter. I thank both these gentlemen for discovering things in me which I had long before discovered, but which I had begun to fear the world at large would never find out." Laughter. Returning to New York after an absence of nine years, I find much improvement in it, a great moral improvement. Some think it is because I have been away. Laughter. But the more intelligent think that it is because I have come back. Laughter. But we'll not discuss that. Let's get down to the business end of this toast. Our city. We take stock of a city like we take stock of a man. The clothes and appearance are the externals by which we judge. We next take stock of the mind, the intellect. These are the internals. The sum of both is the man or the city. New York has a great many details of the external sort which impress and inform the foreigner. Among these are the skyscrapers, and they are new to him. He hasn't seen their like since the Tower of Babel. He is shocked by them. I am not. As seen by daylight, these skyscrapers make the city look ugly, too chimney-like, like a mouth full of snags, like a cemetery with all monuments and no gravestones. But at night, when the great walls of masonry are all a-sparkle, the city is fairy-like. It is more beautiful than any other city since the days of the Arabian Nights. When the disgruntled foreigner has exhausted his objections by day, let us float him down the river by night. Certainly the skyscraper has its advantages, and we don't need to apologize for it. Then we have elevators in them that elevate. Not like the cigar boxes of Europe called lifts. The European lift is always stopping to reflect between floors. That's well enough in a hearse horse, but not in an elevator. Laughter. In Europe, when a man starts to the sixth floor on a lift, he often photographs his family so he may recognize them when he gets back. Laughter. Then look at our cable and trolley and elevated cars. They are the cleanest, simplest, most comfortable in the world, and all of them were created and conferred upon us by the New York hackman. Laughter. He did it, and we ought always to be grateful to him. We have a custom of erecting monuments to our benefactors. We owe him one not a permanent one maybe we might build it of plaster and after gazing upon it for a while tear it down the reference to the dewy arch was quickly perceived and applauded by the audience the speaker then went on to describe the london bus and underground roads you can get no one to believe that you rode on a london underground road said he unless you have a cinder in your eye and, as for the buses, some find it cheaper to ride on a London bus than to pay board. Laughter. New York is also cleaner than it used to be. It is cleaner than Bombay. But I'm not here to flatter Bombay. Laughter. When the speaker got around to what referred to as the internal characteristic of the city, he lapsed into sarcasm of the most biting sort, interrupted frequently by applause. By the municipal government of a city, he said, a foreigner distinguishes its character. He sees now that you have the best municipal government that the world has ever seen, the purest, most fragrant. The angels in heaven must envy you, you got it from your noble fidelity to civic duty, by your stern and watchful exercise of the powers conferred upon you by your citizenship. You got it by your manly refusal to sit inert, while men made high places and took them. You who have made this city the envy of the world, and when you enter the Gates of Heaven, the angels will say, "Here they come, the citizens who saw their civic duty and did it. Turn on the limelight." End of section 14. December seventh, nineteen hundred. Banquet of the Saint Nicholas Society, read by John Greenman.